Welcome to Tigers Tonight, a podcast dedicated to University of Memphis Tiger football. Here's your host, John Maddox. And good evening, everyone, and welcome into Tigers Tonight, uh, the off-season-ish edition of the large program. Uh, John Maddox with you, as always, and I'm joined only tonight. We'll get more into that in just a minute by my one of my best co-co-hosts in all the land, Larry Marley, who is in the palatial Marley Manor in Hernando. And uh, as you're listening to this on February the 10th, we are buckling in for a pretty significant ice storm uh, slated to hit the Mid-South overnight tonight into tomorrow, and then just brutal cold weather. So, Larry, have you got all your uh, all your rations, and are you uh, are in for the long haul? Milk and bread have been acquired. Uh, <laughs> as you know, I'm on keto, so we don't eat, eat either of those. So, uh, so actually, no milk and bread in the house, but we do have plenty of rations. And actually, I was talking to the girls this morning, and we were I was describing to them the ice storm of '94. Yeah, today, by the way, for those who don't know, is the anniver- the 27th anniversary. So I was describing it because um, my now wife, their mother, uh, and I were both in Cookville, rocking Cookville, Tennessee that night. Um, and it was a Tuesday night, as I recall. Uh, and we, it was, it started as rain, it became freezing rain, and then it turned to ice. Um, and literally the power was out on the whole, entire campus of Tennessee Tech for about 14 hours. Um, and <laughs> yeah, and, and that included um, any, um, that also included any heat that I might've had. So we ended up, just Jennifer and I huddled up in my apartment with uh, flashlights, a candle, and uh, just whatever food I had in the apartments. So um, we should be much better stocked and in a much better residence. Well, and and to be clear, if, if those that listen to this tomorrow, we're not expecting anything like that. Um, so I was in college as well at Memphis. I lived in Richardson Towers. And um, one of my favorite memories of that morning is uh, our we had a tuba professor, tuba and euphonium professor, Dr. Charles Schultz at the U of M. And school was closed, and it was the first time U of M had closed in, oh gosh, years. This, you know, obviously don't know much before then, but it had been a very long time. And Dr. Schultz called us at 7.30 and said, since we were all on campus, we could walk and have our uh, have our quartet and our lessons for that day. So we, about eight of us kind of, school was closed, but we we shuffled across, ta- across campus and had our lesson that day. And... Um, the thing I will always remember about Ice Storm 94, and we'll get into football here in just a second, is whenever somebody asks, what do you remember? Well, I have two memories. Uh, number one, I actually was dating a girl that lived in Kentucky at this time, and I had gone up to see her about two weeks earlier and got stuck in Beaver Dam, Kentucky for three days because they had 27 inches of snow. They closed all the roads. We couldn't, she had met me in Nashville. Her and her, her mom met me in Nashville. So uh, I got to stay in a hotel in Beaver Dam, Kentucky for three fantastic days. And then thing number two, I got home and two weeks later we had the ice storm. And what those of us that were here will never forget is the sound of the tree limbs snapping under the weight. It sounded like gunshots 
and it went for a couple of days here. We got about an inch and a half of ice here, a little south of here down towards Greenville, Mississippi. They got around six inches of freezing rain, and it took down the big transmission tower. So those people, there were people down there without power for a month. My parents were without for seven days. We were without in um, Richardson Towers for four days. So it was a brutal time. We're not expecting anything near that bad, but we are, and it's, uh, you know, we're a little older and I'd like to think a little wiser, but uh, I digress. Do event, events, weather events in our lifetime that will always get reminisced are the ice storm and Hurricane Alice. Yeah, and, the, you know, they are kind of the two uh, seminal weather events that we've had around here. And I was actually, well, the other one we had here was uh, – the Super Tuesday tornado outbreak, and that was actually February the 5th of 2008. I was actually in Los Angeles while that happened here. And then, also, and so also then um, just out to our southeast, of course, April the 27th, 2011, that horrific tornado outbreak. So um, some of you are probably wondering, I won't get too deep into it, but you're probably wondering where the other best co-co-host in all the land is. And uh, Brian has unfortunately contracted COVID. Uh, I'll just tell you he's in the hospital and could use some prayers. Um, just goes to show, man, that this is ser- this disease is serious and it's still out there and things are getting better. But, you know, as uh, we were talking a minute ago about tornadoes, as our uh, meteorologist James Spann always says, the worst tornado is the one that hits your house. And then COVID, COVID is no better when it hits your house. So uh, a lot of thoughts and prayers going out to, uh, Brian, our co-co-host here, that he will uh, kick this thing's rear end and be back in business sooner rather than later. Uh, a lot of prayers uh, headed his way. So on to some uh, happier news. Since we last talked, we, of course, had National Signing Day, and with I had stuff going and Brian had stuff going. We've had basketball. We've had a lot. So we haven't really got a chance to talk to everybody about uh, the February 3rd signees. And, boy, talk about – Uh, Larry putting a bow on a great signing class. Memphis did just that with just five commitments on uh, a week ago today. Yes. And so in total, and this is, this is sort of an important thing. So one of the things that we talked about on the website is that you can only sign so many players within a given 12 month period and within what they call a given class. And so um, that includes your December signings, of course, Uh, between those, this was by ranking, and I know you're going to go into this, the best recruiting class in the history of the program. And one of the things that, um, you know, I I, I was on the media availability with uh, Coach Silverfield, and um, of course there were 100,000 people on there, so I didn't get to ask my question, but one of the questions that he did answer was, um, did the fact that you had so many transfers, did that play into the fact that you were able to get more signees because other programs were focused on transfers? And I thought his answer was really good. He said, look, you know, um, there were a lot of kids that, that may have fallen into our lap, but we still had to go get those kids. Like, no, like they could have fallen to someone else. And, and we went and got those kids. And I thought that was a really good answer. So I thought that the program really took advantage of, of not just a, a special situation, but given the fact, don't you think, John, the fact that these guys couldn't even visit him. And for those who don't know, it is still, you cannot visit right now. You cannot go and physically visit with 
a recruit. It is still a dead period. And I think it is all the way until April of this year. Yeah. And, you know, one other note that makes this whole thing impressive is um, guys like DeMonte Coxey, Kenneth Gainwell, they still count against your number until I believe it's June, your, your actual correct. roster. So, you, you know, we've talked about this on this program before, but with the new transfer portal rules, which I think it was something like as of yesterday, like 14 or 1500 kids have entered the transfer portal. Um just over the this season. So it's, you know, it's going to be a numbers game, but the Memphis staff did a great job um, with making those numbers work. And we'll talk a little bit about, we'll focus on the guys that signed on February 3rd. We've talked a little bit about our December signees. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll start off with Zy Brockington, a 6'1", 265-pound uh, defensive lineman uh, from Moultrie, Georgia, Colquitt County. And I actually had to look up Colquitt County because I had memories. Uh, that was where famous high school coach Rush Probst uh, coached at that was but he was fired in 2019 I didn't read the article was was that after he was in Birmingham yes because that's that's where everybody who knows Rush Probst from is Hoover High School in Birmingham I forget the name they were on that it was an MTV is it called two a days or something like that it was anyway it was kind of the kind of one of the forerunners to last chance you but it was based on high school and he was the coach there but anyway uh, Zob Rockington, two-star recruit, uh, 7A All-State, uh, averaged a little bit over five tackles a game. Uh, Colquitt went nine and one and number three in the state for the 2020 season. So uh, I think, Larry, he'll probably play defensive end at Memphis. I think With that size. And I, I would fully expect him probably to redshirt this year, if I had to guess, because of his size. 265 is, is a good size, but um, – you and I talked about this at his height. You probably want him to slim up, maybe a little bit, or at least firm up. Um, yeah, you know, if he was six one two ninety, he he's a nose yeah. tackle because that's what you want on the inside. You want those short, real yes, those uh, guys, the biggins, as we like to yes. say. Um, also got more help along the defensive line, 6'3", 275 pound, num- actually the number 28 player in Tennessee on ri- from rivals, a three-star, another defensive lineman, uh, Javon Nelson. He was had 61 tackles and 15 tackles for a loss as senior. He helped Riverdale compile a 10-3 and record uh, and reached his class 6A quarterfinals. Um, he also considered Arkansas, North Carolina, Vanderbilt, Virginia, and Virginia Tech before choosing Memphis. So another big pickup. He will play along the defensive line. He'll he, he's not going to be in the end. He's going to be an interior guy. Does, does Riverdale ever produce anybody that's not just really good? I, I remember recruiting there back in the '90s, and um, I mean, like even even the guy came off the bench for them looked like they were just they just belonged on a football field. Like so one of the when you recruit guys, like you go out there and you'll there's usually the guys just one of the guys just stands out and you're like, yeah, okay. Yeah, he's but with them, like you look at their defensive line, you're like, he can play, he can play, he can play. I mean like they're all, you know, it's it's so if you go get Riverdale kids, you're getting probably a, a kid that'll contribute. Yeah, and that's a place that Memphis has not had a whole lot of success uh, in Middle Tennessee, getting kids out of there. But uh, hopefully uh, Javon will be a start of something. Uh, moving on, uh, three-star defensive back, 6'1", 183, out of Baton Rouge, Louisiana, a place that has been 
holy crap, the boot has been excellent to the Tigers over the years. And uh, hopefully Eric Randall will continue that. He was a standout uh, wide receiver, defensive back, and a return specialist. He was the Max Preps preseason Louisiana All-State second team. He is close friends with Tyrell Raby, which is how he ends up at Memphis. Of course, Tyrell um, signed back in December, and his dad, Eric Randall Jr., was actually the starting quarterback for Southern in 19, Southern University in 1995 when they won the Black College National Championship team. So good pedigree. Uh, Woodlawn's a great program down there in, in Louisiana, and that's, that's something that you know we touched on a second ago with Riverdale. You can get kids from programs where it's like you walk into practice and you go, okay, that kid is the best player on the team. It's not close. But there is something to be said, Larry, for going out and getting kids from winning teams and how much that helps you in the locker room. Absolutely, because those kids expect to win. And I I remember um, when I went to Tech, I remember we we sat around and we talked about how a lot of the kids that were there had played on teams – from Knoxville or, and we'd all played against each other in the state playoffs. And we all talked about that. Like we expected to win. And that, and that is what you call building the culture of a program. And that's the one thing you don't have to, a kid doesn't have to be on a winning team to, to learn how to win. But if you have a whole bunch of kids that have never won, it's sure hard to do it in college. Yeah. That's like, they always say, um, you know, when you want to be a millionaire, making the first million is hard. It's easy after that, uh, relatively speaking. But making that first million is the hardest thing to do. And same know. thing with with kids. <laughs> <laughs> we don't. Neither one of us know. I mean, we know how hard it is, but we're not there yet. But um, it's the same thing with kids. Is yes, you can be a winner and and play on a not so great team. But man, if you get a whole team full of those guys, that you know what you see happen with that. The on the field of that is, it's kind of what we call the snowball effect. If, you know, you come out and and this used to be kind of a thing that Memphis teams would do a lot is they'd come out, they'd they'd take the kickoff, they'd fumble on their own 10, the other team would score, kick it off, we'd fumble or throw an interception. Before you look up, it's 14 to nothing. And when you have kids that aren't used to winning, that's a problem because then they're like, oh, here we go again. But when you get a locker room full of kids from good programs, they're like, hmm, that's all right. We'll just – we'll go and we'll score. All right, today we don't need 28. We're going to need 42 today. And they go get it. Right. And, and that's just like, – you, you roll with the punches. You get hit. You hit back. And, and, and that's – again, we talked about building the culture of a program. One of the things about the team right now – and we're going to talk about this going forward. One of the things about this team right now – um, you see that over and over and over again. Even this last season, you know, we had a really tough loss to Tulsa. Come back next week and beat Houston. You know, that is that's a that's how you a team that expects to win. They come out, they put some, put a, a bad situation behind them and keep going forward. Even within a game, uh, the Temple game was a classic example. Had a couple of uh, punches thrown at you, come right back. And yeah. and I, I just think that, that getting kids with good pedigrees. It never hurts to have a kid that expects to win on your team. Nope. And, you know, uh, we're going to talk more about him in just a second, but there's a kid on here that kind of – what people need to understand about recruiting is this. And I'm just going to pick on Alabama because they're Alabama and surprise, surprise, in the rivals' top 100 team rankings, they're number one again. Uh, you know, that Nick Saban, he might end up being a pretty decent coach at some point. Um 
is when when you go when Alabama goes to recruit a kid, they'll look at we'll just we'll just say uh, Eric Randall. He's six one one eighty three. Alabama says nope, we're not recruiting him. Our defensive backs are going to be six three to six four and a half, and they're going to weigh one hundred and eighty seven pounds. Their reach is this much. Their vertical is this much. And if you don't hit that number, you, you just don't get recruited unless you're a incredible athlete. That's why if you go back and you look at all the Alabama quarterbacks, they're all really the same guy with the exception of Jalen Hurts. Like that, they've all kind of been, and Tua was a bit of an exception there too. They've all kind of been the same guy. And it's the same thing. You look at their running backs, they're all kind of the same guy. Well, they're defensive tackles. They're all freaking Terrence Cody. But, but that's what those teams do. So Memphis can't really do that. Memphis has to go, okay, this guy's 6'1", 265. We can move him to end and be successful with him. See, Alabama's not moving a guy around. Alabama's getting a guy that they can plug in. And that's where a, a guy, a, a recruiter like Ryan Silverfield, and, you know, Justin was good at this, and obviously Mike Norvell's good at this. How can this guy help us? He's got everything except he's an inch too short. But he runs the 40. He can bench press this. He's from a good program. How can we fit this guy in? And I, that is the big difference to me at recruiting at Memphis versus your top level power five program. Yes. And, and if you go back, a classic example of this was D'Angelo Williams, who ended up for all the world, it looked like he was going go to Arkansas, but they established, and by the way, they had some pretty good running backs back then, Peyton Hill as Darren McFadden, those guys, but, but they thought he was a little short. He was too short. And um, he ended up at Memphis. Now, he ended up, of course, gaining weight and 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 that speed, so he became a, a, a running back. But the point is, you're exactly right, John. Didn't quite fit the mold of what an SEC running back was supposed to be. So Memphis takes him. Well, he becomes, you know, a legend, and, and that's exactly what Memphis does. They take a kid that's not quite molded or hasn't quite fully formed, or maybe because a lot of times, John, you know, we talked about this. A kid will come in. Inches, three inches. Next thing you know, he is six three, six six five. Um, we talked about Grant Gunnell, and I, I, that way, he he actually was a little shorter than that. He grew up to six seven um, when he got to college. So, you know, there's a classic example of a kid that grew into his size. Memphis has to look. We're not going to be Alabama. You, you you're not talking about this. We're not Coke. We're not Pepsi. We're, we're, we're something else. We're a little different. But you can still be very a very successful program and winning with those kids as long as you can get the kid that you want and he fits what you want to do that's the trick and fits what you want to do and fits your culture and isn't going to wreck your culture um and look some guys you take flyers on and say you know what this kid had problems over here but you know maybe he'll work out here and then the whole thing with it there is you've got to be willing to cut bait pretty quick all right, so let's uh, close out the February 3rd signees. We'll go to a 6'3", 250-pound defensive lineman from Millbrook, Alabama, Stanhope Elmore, uh, William Whitlow. He was the Elmore County Defensive Player of the Year by the Wetumpka Herald. 99 tackles, 43 tackles for loss, 12 sacks, 34 quarterback hurries, three fumble recoveries, two block punts, and a defensive touchdown. That's a busy man. He's <laughs> He's got the whole 12 days of Christmas covered, right? What is it? Uh, what is it? Coaches love to say, oh, that kid's got a motor. 
um, whenever you see numbers like that. So he's a three-star. He was the number 37 player in Alabama. But kind of the gem of the this part of the class, and uh, this is where I'm going to handwrite a card to Jeremy Pruitt and his awful uh, coaching abilities. Young man committed to the state of Tennessee was the number, or University of Tennessee was number 11 player in Alabama. Number 12 tight end, according to rivals. He played wide receiver in college or in high school. He's a four-star. His name is Rock Taylor, 6'2", 225 out of Oxford, Alabama, Oxford High School. Um, 52 catches, 1,014 yards, and 17 touchdowns as a senior at Oxford High School. He had committed to Tennessee before signing with the Tigers on National Signing Day. And, uh, boy, I never thought, looking back 10 years ago, I never thought, and we would be in a spot where Memphis was taking kids from Tennessee that had originally wanted to go to UT. You know, kids back then from Memphis had offers from places like Elon and <laughs> Florida or Florida Atlantic before they were anything. And, you know, I just remember looking back at some of those lists and going, where in the world is Campbell? Like, I've never heard of half of these. I know where it is. Which, which by the way, they're the camels, by the way. The Campbell, the camels. Campbell camels. And and there was a – there was so when I was living in North Carolina, there was a girl that uh, had actually played at Campbell, had played basketball there that I worked with. And um, and she said that whenever they would play other teams, they, the other teams would call them the cows because that's what a female camel is. And I had no idea that a female camel was a cow. So there you go. But yeah. So, so anyway, yes. Uh, you know, rock Taylor, <clears throat> as far as the late signees, he's probably the jewel of that, of that yeah. signing. That's not to take away from any of the other kids, but you know, here's a kid who, who, who Tennessee wanted and before the coaching change would have signed. So, you know, now, that they've got the coach that they've got. And, and have we talked about that? I don't know if we, no, we haven't, we haven't talked about it. We'll talk about that. So, so Hypo is now their coach and and you called that at a lunch with me crazy enough, like a couple of weeks. So we, we talked about it. You said, I wonder if Hypo will take that job before I could even get back to my office. um, They had hired Danny white to be their the AD and, and then, like I think, what five days later, they hired Heupel, um, and 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 in breaking news, UCF just hired Arkansas State's athletic director. I, I know that happened the other couple of days ago. Um, somebody made a joke. Where they think they're going to hire Butch Jones? No, no. they're not going to hire Butch Jones. <laughs> Let me say that. But I, I I do think that the UCF job, as far as right now, it's probably the best open job out there. Don't you think? I mean, Absolutely. They're, well, I think they're going to end up hiring um, Jeff Levy, who is um, who's currently uh, the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach at Ole Miss. So I think he'll he'll end up getting that job. Um, I, I thought Lashley might get a look there, but there's something with him, and and we'll get into that some at some point. Like there's something like that dude. There's just something with him because I can't think of a star that has fallen further than his star did about five years ago. He was the next big thing. He was was on the Mike Norvell track. Yeah. He, he was the next big thing and he never got hired and he ended up falling all the way and I on pick on him all the time, but he ended up falling all the way to being the offensive coordinator at UConn. 
and yeah, then uh, just went to it, SMU. It went to SMU, and it's just it's he's never taken that next step in his career. Um, so there's just something weird about him. I, I don't, you know, some guys, you know, Bill Clark at UAB just doesn't interview well. Some guys just don't impress people when they're in the room. I, I don't get it. Well, you got to realize that when you so when you're hiring a coach, and, and I, I I wouldn't know anything about this other than just the fact that. Um, uh, I, I can I can inter- interpolate what what happens, but so you're hiring someone to run a multi million dollar company, you know you want to have a warm fuzzy feeling about how you deal with that guy. I mean, to me, all right, and you want to be able to feel like you can communicate. The thing, I, and I don't I don't want too deep into this rabbit hole. The thing about Bill Clark I've heard is he's just a weird dude. Like you, he's a, you look at him, he's a great coach, but he's just like, when you talk to him, he, he, I don't know if anybody remembers the scene in Marshall where they're, they're going to hire Matthew McConaughey and, and, and they go to meet him and and the guy's just like a weird dude. Okay. Well, they ended up hiring him anyway at Marshall, but that's a side note. He's so when you're hiring somebody, you want to feel comfortable with him. And and I just wonder if these guys who never get a chance are just guys that, as you say, I don't I think it's more than don't interview. Well, maybe they just are just odd ducks, you know? Yeah, yeah. in in the wrestling parlance, uh, he's a different cat. That's what they like to say for some of these just guys that are just a little different and and um, you know, one guy that with that, and we'll get into this, I was really surprised at his recruiting this year. You, you know, Mike Leach is a guy that's got that label. Is he, He's just a different kind of guy. I mean, he's just, he's just, he's my, he's in a, he's in a class of all of his own. But let's run through those, AA, let's run through the recruiting rankings uh, for the AAC. Uh, at number one, actually, Cincinnati, number one in the, in the conference. They are number 36 in the country in recruiting. Luke Fickle and Marcus Freeman did, although Marcus Freeman's left now, but they did a fantastic job uh, restocking at Cincinnati. Memphis is number two at number 46 in the country. Again, our best class in school history. UCF and USF kind of neck and neck, 51 and 55. Uh, Jeff Scott's going to get that thing turned around at USF sooner rather than later. Yeah, uh, SMU does actually recruit players that do not transfer in. Apparently, they're number five in the conference at fifty nine in the country. Navy's number sixty four in the country. Houston, talk about a weird dude, <laughs> Dana Holgerson. That's a weird cat, man. He's he's they are eighty third in the country. It's it's. How, how do you get eighty third and you're in Texas, man? You you got to work at that. I'm you, sorry. You could fall. You could fall. Him, but. You could fall down the street and do better than eighty third in Texas. Uh, Tulane is actually oddly enough they are tied with Houston at eighty three. So that should tell you how bad Houston's recruiting was this year. No offense to Willie Fritz. And no offense to anybody who's had an education from Houston. I'm sure it's a fine institution. But when you can't beat out Tulane for recruits, oh boy. Do you not agree with me, John, that it it should literally be Memphis, Cincinnati, Houston, and the Florida schools, and they should be battling it out for the top whatever position every year? Okay, that's that's it. There's, there's, there's no, the rest of them look nothing against the rest of the schools, but I mean, that's it. I'm sorry. Every every school that you just named Cincinnati, Memphis, two uh, Florida schools and Houston, they should never be outside of the top 50 
at this at this point in the country in recruiting. Uh, Correct. Yeah, you you should just SMU is a little different because they have some academic stuff. I know that sounds crazy, but Tulane does, Tulsa does. Tulsa they all does. have that. So yeah. Tulsa and Temple didn't make the list because Rob was only list out the top 100, and ECU closed out the list at tied for 99th. Uh, some other teams of interest from around the area, Tennessee, somehow cobbled together the 17th class. Uh, our friends down in Oxford, uh, our buddy Joey Freshwater down there, uh, Lane Kiffin, Kiffikins, whatever you want to call him, number 18 for Mississippi. Uh, Arkansas, Sam Pittman had a good class, number 25. And uh, Mississippi State, number 23 in the country. I thought that was – I don't want my friends in Starkville to get used to that because that ain't always going to work out for you with Mike Leach doing the recruiting. And just a couple other schools of interest, Florida State, number 28. And Memphis was 46, and uh, number 45 was our old buddy Justin Fuente up at Virginia Tech. And uh, uh, we'll just say they're not That's not going to get it. That's not going to get it. I'm sorry. And, I look, I I, I pull for Justin, but that's just not going to get it at at Vitek. That's just, I mean. Well, you know, that we talked about him taking that job, and and, uh, when he took it, what feels like 703 years ago, um, that is a job that's like being in the SEC without actually being in the SEC, and yes. that has its good and its bad. Uh, it's good is they fund the program. They, they, they support the program. The bad is 45th recruiting classes are not going to cut it up at old VPI. And uh, one other uh, note for Memphis football, they added uh, Joe Doyle, a punter who transferred out of UT. I was reading his uh, – his story today. This is actually his second time in the transfer portal. He was, he signed with Memphis last week. Uh, Tigers currently don't have a punter on the roster. They have several place kickers, but do not have a punter. So that that kind of catches you up on Memphis football recruiting. Uh, spring practice will start March the twelfth, a month away, and uh, still no word if media will be allowed there. I seriously doubt we'll be able to go to practice. No, uh, I doubt it. Yeah, I, I think we're, we're going to try. We will gonna, try. Yeah, we may have to do some clandestine operations, uh, figure out, get the old uh, Tiger Sports Report drone up and running. No, we wouldn't do that. Um, and then uh, Friday Night Lights, uh, supposed to be with fans. We will see on April the 16th. That'll be the spring practice. That'll be the end of spring practice. But hey, if you're jonesing for football, FCS actually starts this weekend. Tarleton State and McNeese. We'll square off on Saturday. And, and, and I will tell you, there will be people watch. I, I will guarantee it. It'll happen. And I think so. two of them are probably talking into microphones right now. We <laughs> yeah, will go past it. We will see it. We'll be like, oh, that's football. And we'll watch it. So uh, that gets you caught up on all the – of course, we have all this over at TSR. We have detailed – you can go in and you can look at all the detailed stats and the videos. I'm working on getting a few videos put together for the old TikTok account I've started, and I uh, got to get that figured out. But, uh, oh boy, yeah, if you really, start dancing, I'm, I'm not out. dancing. There will be no dances. <laughs> the only thing I'm sharing on TikTok are recruit videos. That, that's it. There, there's no videos of John and his uh, cat Duncan, who we just added to you're the house. You're not going to go month. streaking like the dude in the no, Super Bowl? no, no streaking. Uh, I, I, I will not be doing any of the, I don't even know what any of the dances are called these days. Um, will not be doing the Charleston, nor will I be doing the Foxtrot on TikTok. That's just not happening. So, uh, but be sure to check that out. We'll, I'll keep you abreast of all that. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit Memphis basketball and get you caught up on what's been going on there. So we'll step aside for just a moment 
You're listening to Tigers tonight. We'll be back. Hey, everybody. John here. And while Memphis Tigers football is, of course, one of my passions, happy to host Tigers tonight, I do have a second passion, and that is travel. I'm a full-service travel agent, and I love to help families make their next great memory through an unforgettable vacation. Maybe that's a Caribbean cruise. Maybe it's a cruise somewhere like Antarctica. Maybe it's a idea of a great vacation is just laying by a beach at an all-inclusive resort, or maybe you've been dreaming of that trip to Disney. I'm here to help you make those dreams come true, no matter what type of vacation you're looking for. Hey, for Tigers Tonight listeners, I've got a special deal. If you book a vacation with me anytime during the Memphis football season, I'll give you 25 bucks off your vacation just for mentioning you heard about me on Tigers Tonight. In addition, I'll waive my normal planning fee of 50 bucks. That's just for our listeners here on Tigers Tonight. So just shoot me an email over at john at travelbyjohn.net, and we'll get the planning process started. Again, that's john at travelbyjohn.net. And welcome back to the program, Tigers Tonight. John Maddox, Larry Marley. And when we last talked, Larry, back, oh, four or five weeks ago, <laughs> we, you know, we all kind of had Memphis on the side of the road dead. They had lost five of six. Uh, they were kind of floundering. I believe they were seven and five the last time we talked, and they were like 80 in the net ratings, and just it was brutal. And then suddenly, I went to a Memphis basketball game, and yep. my, how the tables have turned. The and, Tigers and- sit at 12 and six. <laughs> Yep. And I told, I actually texted you at the game. You got to go forever. And the, in fact, they had 20 point home victories until last Saturday when you couldn't go for various reasons. And of course that we all know that was a barn burner um, that went down to the end. If you'd been there, it would have been a 20 point win. So yeah. we totally blame you. Well, you know, I had to give East Carolina a little hope that that was my thing. That's you know, what you know. it was. That's, it, yes. it's, it's tough enough living in Greenville, North Carolina. You gotta, you gotta get a little hope Green every line. now and then. <laughs> As our buddy Jeb says, it's one of my favorite things he's ever said. Greenville, North Carolina is a place you got to mean to go. Ain't nobody yes. accidentally rolling through Greenville. It's, um, it's... But anyway, so the Tigers and in kind of sadder news, uh, Tigers game tomorrow versus Cincinnati has been postponed due to positive COVID cases in the Memphis program and contact tracing. That also has the big game kind of in doubt. That's I use that sources are saying it's quote in doubt. Tigers were set are set to face Houston on Sunday, who's now 15 and two. Houston number five in the net ratings. That would be a huge win if Memphis could pull that off. Uh, as they sit at number 60 in the net right now, 12 and 6. They are third in the AAC right now as well. So, but but the big thing, Larry, is I think the Memphis offense has finally kind of figured itself out on yes. the basketball side. They, they've kind of figured out who they are. Yeah, and you could see that. And we talked about this, um, and I've actually talked about this on, on Tigers today a couple of times. You could see – as they were um, working through, especially I think that three-week layoff really helped the offense. The first game back, they didn't look good against Tulsa. But after that, you could see they knew the spots they wanted to get to. They knew the shots they wanted to take. And more importantly, don't you think, John, he's got the guys, the rotation set where he likes it. He's got the people to start the game the way he wants it. And then he's got um, his bench players coming in. Even though DJ is coming off the bench, he's playing starters minutes. He's finishing games. And I think that works for 
for uh, Jeffries for whatever reason, right? And if you look at um, – now, I still think the point guard situation – I know Alex Lomax played really well, and I know that he has looked better. But, John, I just think his physical limitations – that's the ceiling for this team to me is, is the, the limitations we have at the point guard spot, because as good as Alex is, he gets exposed against the better point guards. And that's where we have our limitation. Aside from that, like I don't see any, any team in the AAC that we can't beat. I'm not saying we're going to win every game. Certainly not. We got uh, at least, at least one with Houston, you would expect, but uh, maybe, maybe two or three. But I do think you're exactly right. The defense has held. They haven't lost anything on the defense. That's the thing that's been solid. And, and, and I, I think that's their identity, John, don't you think? I mean, they are a defensive team who turns defense into offense. Well, you know, and uh, to talk about, to talk, to harken back to a time where our good friend, uh, John Vincent Calipari was the coach here. He, he always had a saying because he, the knock on Cal always was, his teams weren't that great offensively. They weren't, they weren't X's and O teams. And, and a lot of people said, oh, he just rolls the ball out in practice because he has better players than everybody else, blah, blah, blah. And some of that's true. But he always said that if you defend and you rebound, offense is the easiest thing ever because you're getting layups every time. If you will defend and rebound, you're getting layups. Now, you know, I kind of agree with what you said about Lomax. But, you know, two big things with me with this team. Boogie Ellis has found his whatever it is. Boogie's been fantastic. His energy, like, they're two totally different teams. When Boogie sits down and when Boogie's on the floor, it's two totally different teams. Cissé is figuring out how to play. And that's – and everybody goes, oh, well, he was a top-rated recruit. Okay. He's 17. (laughs) It's easy to play that way at Lausanne. Because you're bigger than everybody else, you're stronger than everybody, which he's not. But you know, you're seven one, and the tallest guy you'll see in your district is six seven. Um, but he's taken some time to figure out. Cisse does not have to be a twenty and ten guy for Memphis. He can be an eight and six guy for Memphis, as long as those eight are four dunks like that. That's what you need Cisse for. Is 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 defend the rim, defend the rim, and finish the easy stuff. That's yes. You know, and but to me, (laughs) it's been Boogie. It's been Boogie Ellis. Uh, That kid has grown up and has – what I've noticed with him is he has started to take ownership of the team. Uh, And Lomax has too. Um, You know, Alo does have the physical limitations. You're you're dead right there. But – and I'm not comparing him to him. Let me be abundantly clear. A lot of folks said the same thing about Antonio Anderson. He's limited. He can't jump as high. He doesn't shoot as well. But you look back, and we'll tie this into football. We didn't ask Danny Wimprine to win us football games when he played quarterback at Memphis. All we asked Danny to do was make plays and not lose the game. That, that, that was it. That was, those were the things. Danny was really good at those two things, and he ended up being a sensational quarterback that we could give the game to. And you look at Alabama until this recent run, they had a bunch of game managers. That's 
who Alo is. He is a guy that is going to come in and give you good energy where he has picked up the slack is defensively. Yep. That's where he's yes. gotten so much better is on the defensive end. He's more willing to jump into passing lanes. And that goes to what you were saying about the rotation being a little more set. Uh, that first game against UCF, that was the, the first game I went to. That was the eighth different starting lineup in 16 games. Or, or I'm sorry, yeah, well, it wasn't 16 games. It was like 13 games. It was the eighth different lineup. That's hard for guys. That That's hard for you to figure out. And it doesn't really matter who starts. Like, some guys get hung up on that. But, you know, Boogie does. I mean, I'm sure he'd like to start. But if he's getting this, like you said earlier, like if you're getting starter minutes, what does it matter? Like, it, if you're in there at the end, that's what matters. Right. And, and, and you look at John and you look at the way the team has played their defensive rotations and you, you're exactly right. The defense, that's really where Lomax and Boogie and look, I'm going to call it Landers Nolly, um, uh, DeAndre Williams. DeAndre Williams has been a, a monster. He did not have his shot Saturday, but he, he was on the boards. He and, and DJ were monsters on the board, especially in the second half when they were struggling offensively. And, and I do want to address that. So that second half, you, you saw a lot of tired legs. These kids had played, what was it, seven games in 12 days or, or 16 days or whatever it was. They played a bunch of games. They played an NBA schedule, basically. And, and the NBA guys, these professional athletes who are, you know, 28, 29, 30 years old, right? I mean, they're used to that. These are kids, 18, 19 years old. They're not used to that. You saw a lot of tired legs. I'm not making an excuse for the kids. Um, but at, at the end of the game, when they needed it, they played, I mean, they played with a lot of heart. And that is the one thing, John, I think that, that we, we talk about. They are playing with heart. And that's the important thing. And I mean, against UCF, those two back-to-back games, they had like 34 steals in two games. They had 20 and one and like 14 and other. They forced like 48 turnovers. And, you know, I, I said a month ago, that this team needed to figure out who they were. They, they needed to find an identity. And by God, they've done it. And it's it's playing hard-nosed defense and getting big buckets from Nolly and getting big buckets from DeAndre Williams. You know, Jeffries, you mentioned, he's averaging 10 points coming off the bench. Yep. You know, Musa Cisse has 36 blocks this season. 36. Like, like, if you look at the next closest dude in the AAC, it's like 20. Well, for Memphis, it's it's DJ with twelve. Uh, right. Memphis has out rebounded their opponents this year, seven hundred nine to five hundred and ninety seven. Like this is the big thing. People were criticizing Penny, but if you look at how this team is playing right now, look, they they have some limitations, some some physical limitations. But man, I mean, the improvement of this team, and and I thought, uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a little bit to Gary Parrish because he he brought up a really good point on his show the other day. He talked about how when you see teams that, that are, are relying on young kids early in the year, normally it, and we saw this with Cal when he was at Memphis, right? Like you saw Cal's teams when they would, when they would just suddenly take off, it was usually late January, early February. Right, right? after I mean, it was camp Cal. That's what they always called it. Right. right and so Christmas you, break. you, you, they would start taking the take off. Well, well, what we, you know, if you look at the number of games that normally is, that's normally when you're at game, 18 or so you know well, well guess how many games this team's played look at look at the number right right but so that that's that's exactly where you are now we're a little later in the year because of covid 
Um, and, and they didn't have a camp, they didn't fall camp, they didn't have any of that. But, but man, like this team's improvement has been meteoric. And, and a lot of it has to do with getting Landers Nolly, DeAndre Williams. I will acknowledge that's your two leading scorers. But then that allowed those other guys that you talked about, Boogie, um, Lomax, they can now focus on their defense. They can just hone in. Okay, I'm going to lock that dude down today. And that's and, and, what they've been doing. And they can just play. I mean, because that, that, you know, not to get right, too deep in, into basketball, but football, and I'm not discounting basketball at all, but football is a little more difficult because you've just got more pieces. Like you got to have 11 sure. guys doing the same thing. Right. You know, to turn a football program around, you need five recruits in a class. Well, to turn a basketball program on, you need two at most. And you got five guys to, to get on the same page. So I'm not saying basketball is an easier sport to get to, but in some ways it is from a strategy perspective, you don't have as many pieces you, you just don't you don't have as many guys to try to to mold and shape and so when you just figure out because you'll hear coaches say this all the time I've just got to learn to let fill in the blank play and yep. and what people what what coaches mean by that is I have to let boogie do what comes natural to boogie whatever that is whatever and it I is ha- part of part of me is I have to figure out that Landers Nolly is going to score. Like he, he's a scorer. That's, that's just who he is. That's what he's going to do. Uh, you know, where does he like the ball and, and, and what is he, you know, and, and, and that's where, that's the hardest part. And once you figure that out, I, and I don't want to get into to football and all the, the comparison, but you're right, John, it, it, where does he like the ball? What is he, what, what spot on the floor does he like the ball? And that takes time. Like, okay, he doesn't want it here on the wing. He wants it here on the wing. Okay. Let me get the ball. I'll make sure that he wants it there. We'll set up the play to go there. It's, it's, it's not, it's not that it's, it's not difficult. It's you're right. It's simpler. It's, it's, it's a lot. Um, like, I mean, football is so subtle. Like it's really hard. And, and we're going to see that this year when we, I, I wrote that article on the, 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 uh, the quarterbacks, um, you're going to see that this year. How does this quarterback like to deliver a ball? Well, that's going to be a big change for these 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 wide receivers. Basketball is simpler, but the defense—that's the one thing this team has had. You got to have all five guys locked in on defense, and man, are they! And they have been locked in from game one. I'm telling you. Yeah, yeah. The defensive effort's been great to see. Um, you know, and so the Tigers again had the game tomorrow night postponed against Cincinnati. That's Thursday, February 11th. I think the game at Houston is probably in doubt for Sunday. Uh, they would most likely return to action a week from tomorrow at Wichita State, and then we got to fit uh, a second Houston game in. We will probably have to play it there because that's kind of the rule is if your program's the one. I was reading this with the AAC today. Let me let me pull that up real quick because I want to make sure I say that right because I don't want to make anybody mad, but the – but the AAC kind of has a program with this of how they determine who plays where. If I didn't accidentally delete the email. Uh, I know you're, I know you're 100% right. So we'll have both Houston games will be in Houston. Now, yeah. now um, they may do what they did with the Cincinnati game, which I, I, don't, I don't know if you saw that announcement, yeah. Yeah. which is they may play, they're going to play it in Houston, but I think they're going to play it at a neutral site is what I was reading. Um, 
so but anyway so that's that's a uh, i was just reading that they're going to move it to houston texas they doesn't say that but i heard they were going to move that to um the arena toyota center downtown is yeah correct. they yeah they they do a thing and i read it earlier and i just uh here it is uh the american athletic director agreed that whenever possible the next game will default to the home site of the team that did not have the covid issues that led to the previously postponed game. So that would likely mean, um, looking back at the Memphis basketball schedule, it's going to be tight, but Memphis closes out the season at home. They're supposed to close out the season at home against Houston on March 7th. So they will probably try to fit it in somewhere through there. But the Tigers also have since at, you know, they have Cincinnati. They will like, they go to Cincinnati on February the 28th. I would be very surprised if they don't play uh, on Friday, although that would put three games in that one week uh, at Cincinnati, because that's what the other thing they try to do is to cut down travel. They try to say, okay, if you're going to Cincinnati this week, you know, we're going to play here um, and we're going to play this day, but they'll move the schedule around for that uh, to get those games in. Cause it's going to be really important for teams like Memphis to play that that's, that's the thing is, is a team that is sitting because look Memphis and I look, I'm here to tell you, Larry, I left these guys for dead. I, you know, I was like, Oh, book the NIT or the CBI, there's no way, you know, they're sitting at number 60 in the net. They still got three or four chances to get, pick up some decent wins along the way. So they're on the bubble. So it's important for Memphis to play games. That's what the Tigers consistently want. play games. And that's what the league wants because every team that gets in the, in the NCAA tournament is, is if we're being real here, more money in the coffers. Uh, we also haven't talked about that. I do want to touch on that. So the NCAA tournament is going to be played in Indianapolis at various sites around the city. They have enough gyms up there between high schools and small colleges, and they can, they're one of the few cities I think that could really pull this off. Um, but they, you know, cause I can think of, I can think of four college gyms that they can use. Uh, Butler, uh, Valpo, which is a little further away, but they could use it. Uh, the Farmers Coliseum, and then they've got a couple other ones up there that they could use. So that they can pull that off, I think, um, up there. No changes in dates as of right now, but the plan is to bring all the teams to the bubble in Indianapolis and play an NCAA tournament there. Uh, also came out this week, uh, we finally have a baseball schedule. How about that? Yes, and, I w- and I've got to be a million percent honest. I was extremely excited. Um and because a lot of you guys know, I love college baseball. I always have. I, I, one of my cousins played college baseball, and, and one of my coworkers now, best friends in college, was actually the first baseman um, on, the, on the baseball team. So we were always, always friends. Um, so the this, this season starts on the 19th through the 21st, weather permitting, and that's a home, a home game with Northern Illinois. Then we have Grambling um, on February 27th, 28th. Um, but, but some of the bigger games that I know you guys are, are interested in is we're at Ole Miss on March 2nd. Um, we're at Vandy March 9th. We have our, we're at Arkansas for a, a two game uh, in late March, 23rd and 24th. Um, we have the conference schedule sort of gets started in earnest here in April. We have, we're at Tulane at ECU um, and we, we play Cincinnati Tulane at UCF 
and then we have USF Houston. So it's a bit of a condensed schedule this year, but it's a good schedule. It's a challenging schedule. We have some good teams that we're playing and um, the, the AAC tournament. And I'm not exactly sure where it is this year, John. I, I, I don't remember. Clearwater. Clearwater. Okay. Florida. Clearwater. So I, I knew I, I was thinking Florida this year. Um, and it's late too. It's March, it's, uh, it's May late 25th May. Yep. through May 30th. Um, Boy, uh, you know, th- this is a challenging schedule. I'm just looking down at it. I haven't spent, being very blunt, I haven't spent a whole lot of time. Uh, don't know much about Northern Illinois' baseball program. Grambling State is what they are. But, I mean, Ole Miss is loaded this year. That That's going to be a tough game. Baylor always very good yes. in the Big 12. Vanderbilt always very good. Uh, I don't know anything about Miami of Ohio. Middle Tennessee, they'll be at home. That'll be a big game. That midweek swing over at Arkansas – uh, look, there is no better college baseball in the country than in the SEC. And uh, Arkansas is always right up there amongst the best, along with Ole Miss. I may, I, I may if, that, if I'm right, that early, let, let me look. That's that's Tuesday, March 23rd, and Wednesday, March 24th in beautiful That April 3rd, that April 3rd game is on a Saturday at Tulane. You may find the CTG – down at the I'm, I, I sincerely may drive down to that game because I'll tell you something that is if you haven't been to the baseball stadium in New Orleans for Tulane they have it it's back connected when New, to the football stadium it is in back when they had a a minor league team that played over by the Saints uh, facility this is this is absolutely no exaggeration the baseball stadium for Tulane was nicer than the triple a baseball stadium they had. It's, it wasn't that close actually. <laughs> it wasn't. So um, yeah, the, the two, the two baseball stadiums that if you've never gone to a baseball game I, that are, that are travelable that you can travel to Tulane and LSU. Those are just amazing baseball stadiums. Anyway, um, it's going to be a good year. Um, you know, we've, we've talked about the seniors, Chris Dunham, um, is coming back this year. Really looking forward to the, the, and then Goodman, of course, we've talked about Hunter Goodman, um, but Chris Dunham, Hunter Goodman, and uh, Ben Brooks um, are all preseason conference. So it's going to be a really big year for Darren Schoenrock. Uh, yeah, I, I, agree. I, 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 I know for a fact that one of the things that Laird's looking at is fixing the non- revenue sports i know i know that because i've been told that so. we call those olympic sports that's apparently the term that is that is they don't want to say non-revenue it's, right. olympic. it's olympic i'm sport. sorry but boy i mean that's that's a hell of a way to break into conference play at tulane and then at the outpost that is east carolina that, <laughs> i mean that's that's because east carolina is typically pretty good in baseball as well they are uh and then we come home for cincinnati we're home for tulane uh, we're actually playing back. To, we're playing a doubleheader on Friday and then on Saturday and Sunday. So we'll have them. And then we're at UCF. And then we're and back home, home for, for USF. USF. And then back home for Houston. And we close out on the road in Wichita, Kansas at Wichita and, State. And for those who don't know, the, the, the baseball team does not have chartered flights. Okay. This isn't the men's basketball team. I'm, I'm being kind here. Um, they, they, if they do fly is commercial and a lot of times they bus, let's just say it for what it is. They bus. Yeah, I like mean, they will, uh, you know, they're home for their first six. I, I think the key for baseball this year is getting off to a big start. And again, I don't know anything about Northern Illinois baseball. I'm going to assume 
that they're just going to be happy to not be in DeKalb, Illinois. I'm just going to, you know, in February. I'm happy I'm not in DeKalb, Illinois. (laughs) Look, I lived in Chicago for a year. I wouldn't want to be there either in February. Um, I don't know anything about them. But then Grambling, you've got to think we'll have two double, we're actually two double header or two double or a double header with Grambling and then a Sunday contest. So you got to think they'll get those. And then the trip down to Oxford is going to be Katie bar the door. But see, that's a lot of fun. That's going to be the great, that's the great thing about college baseball because unlike Larry, I'm not a big baseball fan. It's just not my thing. I've never really been into it. But college baseball, as the kids say, it's different because it's just, it's just a different feel. And it is truly anything can happen. You know, and if Memphis goes, Ole Miss will be nationally ranked. Memphis could go down there and get that one. Then they've got a trip to Baylor, which is going to be interesting in Waco, Waco, Texas, and then Vanderbilt coming back for a single game uh, the next Wednesday. And well, then- and one thing that I should say, like if you when you play those single games in the middle of the week, one of the things that that people may or may not understand about college baseball. So when you're playing, especially the SEC guys, if they're playing in their conference, they'll usually start their they're better pitchers on the weekend. And it, and so you may get a team's third or fourth starter on that, on that Wednesday. That's, that's entirely possible. And so sometimes you'll see a team sneak up and get a game from a, a team they shouldn't beat simply because, well, you know, you're, you're, you're going to put your two guy out there and they're going to start their four guy. You might get into their bullpen and look, it's college baseball. So it is what it is, but I don't want to dive too deep, but I will be at games this year and I will be, um, I'll do some, some interviews with the coaches. The coaches are really excited to have um, a, a website and, and some people that are interested in covering them. I will tell you that. And uh, also, uh, softball gets underway on Friday as well. The women's softball Oof. team, they travel to Tallahassee to play in Florida State's tournament down there. They will take on Missouri on Friday and then uh, Florida State on Friday and Saturday and then a couple more against Missouri on Saturday and Sunday. So this is when sports gets busy at Memphis. This is, this is the busy time as you've got basketball kind of winding down. Uh, you've got the women's team working through the, the schedule. They've had some COVID issues this year. Uh, they just, I think they just had a game canceled. Yeah, well, SMU actually canceled their entire season. So they actually are scheduled to return to action tonight. They're on, they're on the court right now against Cincinnati. Um, and then they'll return to action on Saturday in Houston. So uh, you've got that. You've got baseball. You've got softball. You've got tennis and golf and everything really cranking up. And uh, we're going to – one thing I'm going to do to our listeners, and I'm going to tell everybody here and I'll so they be prepared for it. We're going to send you guys – I'm going to send you guys a survey link. We want TSR to be what you tell us it should be. You know, what do you want us to do? What kind of content are you guys looking for? We're going to keep doing the stuff we've been doing, but it's really over the next few months, it's about growing this and and being a site for Tiger fans by Tiger fans. That's 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 always been my vision for this is for you guys to tell us what you want us to talk about and how you want to uh, get that content. Do you want to get it in smaller bite-sized pieces? Do you want a weekly podcast? Like, how do you want things? Do you want both? Um, so that's really what I'm about. That survey will be coming out here in the next couple of weeks. I'm actually working on putting that together right now um, to get out to all our all our listeners. Whether you're and look, if you're not a member, it's $9.95 a month. 
get a lot of great information on the message boards, especially about recruiting and coaching changes and, and all that. We typically have that before most other people do. Um, and it's a great place to just join with other Tiger fans and discuss the Tigers uh, in an open manner where if you don't agree with everything that's happening, guess what? I don't either. So that's cool. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's just, we're, our goal is to make this the home for tiger fans and, and whatever that if looks you, like. If you need to vent, we're your, we, we're, we're here for you. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I am the last guy that would tell somebody they shouldn't vent or shouldn't rant that I'm, I'm the last guy. If there's a list I'm at the very bottom of that list. What, what, one of the things I really want to do, and I don't know how we're going to do it this year. I want to somehow get the conversations that we have during a football game. It's, you know, obviously it's going to have to be, we'll have to have it where you get out all the, the bad words and all that, but, 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 but somehow express that so that people can see, I don't know that anybody's going to be interested, but I think, I think one of the things I think would be interesting would just, be for us, for other people to go, yeah, I do the same thing because that's well, and, and one of that's one of my content for the football season this year is we're going to try to do a couple, one or two watch alongs where you get to watch us watch a game and be very, very afraid at what we come up with during said game. Um, we are an interesting bunch to be around during football season. Uh, for those who don't know, Larry and I, we often, and Brian as well, we all three often differ with our opinions. Um, I always say if I'm the voice of reason, we should all be very, very afraid, and that is never more true than during a football game. Um, I can't tell you how many times, not to besmirch the good name of Brady White, I had benched him. I had sent him back to California. I back up back the truck. I back sent up. him up to Arizona State. I had the for sale sign in the yard a couple times, not this last season, but – 2018 especially i did the same thing to raleigh i did the same thing to paxton and guess what whatever poor unfortunate soul is going to be the next quarterback i'm probably going to do that with him um but in all seriousness that's one of the content pieces i want to try to do this year is we're going to do a watch along um maybe at a game where we can't it's not easy for us to travel to and so we can kind of all get together and just have a great time and and watch the game and and bounce ideas off one another because we want this to be interactive we don't we don't like hearing just – I don't want an echo chamber. I don't want to just have Larry's opinion. We want everybody's opinion. So that's the things that are coming down. Uh, one thing I'm working on getting started, a lot of people have asked me about, uh, is the business of college sports. And uh, that's something I'm very interested in as well. Like how does a football schedule get put together? How does a basketball schedule get put together? And I'm not talking during the pandemic. I'm talking – like Memphis and Boise State just signed a home-and-home home football deal. I think it's 2030 and 2031, if memory serves. It's been That's correct. It's been a couple of weeks since that happened. So, you know, I want to figure out, okay, well, I'm how, alive. How, does that, how does that conversation start? Who picks up the phone? What does that conversation look like? What, what are you looking for? Um, and so that's kind of the audio and audio video stuff that I'm, I'm going to put together is, is maybe the business of sports, you know, how does Memphis, how does Memphis travel to an away game? You know, that, that, that piques my interest because I'm a travel agent as well as, as a content producer here for Tiger Sports Report. And I do all kinds of things, but I'm very interested. How do they travel to a game? What, what happens when what happened earlier this year to the UCF game where we got there and then basically had to turn around and fly back home? How does that work? 
people. I'm going to get, I want to get into all that during the summer and really create some interest. My goal is to create interesting content. Um, you know, the recruiting stuff is one part of what we're going to do. And, and that's what Brian does. And that's what Brian is so good at, but I want to get kind of more nuts and bolts. I've, you know, try to get more into the Olympic sports, the non-revenue sports, if you will, um, to give those folks some coverage because they work just as hard or harder in a lot of cases than the revenue sports that we see on TV all the time. They, you know, those, those kids are student athletes too. They, man, I don't know how they do it, especially when you get into baseball and softball and, you know, softball, man, you're playing two, three games a day and it's just, it's all over the place. And, and those I, girls are, are, those girls are warriors. They really, really are. And, and, and I, 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 I can only remember from my days, they would get on those buses and they'd leave on a Friday afternoon and they'd come back late, late because we, you would see them, you know, cause you'd see the bus come back in. Um, our, our, my dorm was right beside the stadium. We'd see them come back in and, and, and they would, I mean, when I say late, you know, 10, 11 at night, and they'd be back out there on that field that next day practicing. Those girls are warriors. And so I, I'm there. I'll be totally honest. I've never been to a, a softball game. And I need to rectify that. That's the truth. Yeah. And, and yeah. So, so that's kind of the goal for TSR. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to do a podcast tonight was kind of lay that out and let everybody know that, um, you know, we're, we're thinking about big things for the coming year and that the off season is not really going to be an off season for us. It's just going to be figuring out the content that you guys want. So that's going to wrap up tonight. Um, we're probably going to try to do this every couple of weeks, I think, yep. during the offseason, because that'll give us – and once baseball, softball get rolling and the other sports really get rolling, uh, we'll have plenty of content. And that's that's really what it's about is, is quality content for you guys. So for the best co-co-host in all the land, Larry Marley, and our currently recovering Brian Moss, the other best co-co-host in all the land, this is John Maddox signing off saying, Go Tigers, go. We'll talk to everybody in a couple of weeks. Opinions expressed on this program by our guests and hosts do not represent the opinion of their employers or the University of Memphis. This podcast is in no way endorsed or affiliated with the University of Memphis. Join us again next week for another edition of Tigers Tonight.